The year is 1968, and a marathon, the final event in the Olympic Games, is taking place in Mexico City. The stadium's packed with thousands of people, growing in excitement as the first athlete enters the stadium. The crowd goes crazy as he crosses the finish line. Way back in the field, there's another runner by the name of John Stephen Aquari from the nation of Tanzania. He has long been passed by all the other runners. After running for 30 kilometers, his head is throbbing, his muscles are aching, and he collapses to the ground. Turns out he has a serious leg injury, and officials are begging him to drop out of the race. But he refuses, bandages his knee, and picks himself up, and then hobbles the remaining 12 kilometers to the finish line. An hour after the winner had crossed the line, a quarry enters the stadium. All but a few thousand of the people have left, and he doesn't have that many people to cheer him on. But he moves around the track at a painstakingly slow, pa slow pace until he finally collapses over the finish line. It went down as one of the most heroic efforts in Olympic history. Afterwards, a reporter asked him why in the world did he not drop out? To which he responded, my country did not send me to start the race, they sent me to finish. So Akwari was very committed to bringing honor to his nation. So this morning, that's what I'm going to be focusing on and talking about is being committed. But more specifically, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the relationship that we hold with him. Our passage this morning comes from Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. It says, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell in good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So if you remember last week, we started in Luke chapter 8, and that's where we learned how Jesus was traveling from place to place, teaching to anyone who would listen. So while he's on the road traveling to yet another town, a large crowd approaches him to hear him teach. 
This crowd was so big, they were coming from town after town throughout the nation. In Matthew's account of this parable, he said the crowd was so big that Jesus had to go out into a boat on the sea and speak to everyone on the shore. Up to this point in Jesus' ministry, he had used a couple of parables in his teaching, but this would mark a turning point for him as he would start using them much more. You see, just because there's a huge crowd of people that wanted to hear Jesus did not mean they all had the right intentions. Jesus taught in parables because it required people who heard him to really think about what he was saying. People who had an open heart and a hunger to learn more about God would be able to understand what his parables meant. But, but for people who were only there to try and trap Jesus in what he was saying or to try and come up with reasons to attack him, they would not know the meaning of these parables. And as Jesus continued on in his ministry, he would be faced with more and more of these people. Another reason Jesus used parables was because they helped people understand better what he was teaching. He would often use something in nature, something in their surroundings, and turn it into a parable, almost like a real-life illustration. And this one was no different. Jesus was traveling throughout the countryside in what was one of the very few fertile areas in this nation. So it's very possible that while he was teaching this, there were farmers around him who were sowing seed and planting their crops. And even for people who weren't from this area, they'd still be very familiar with the process of planting seed. Now in this parable, the sower is initially God as he's the one who gave us the word. But the sower would later go on to represent anyone who shares the word of God with others. The seed, if you haven't guessed it yet, represents the word, the word of God. And just as a seed brings life, the word also brings life as well as power through the Holy Spirit. But we know that a seed cannot do anything until it's planted. A seed can't grow until it's put into the soil. When a person hears and understands the word, it has been planted like a seed. But what happens after that seed has been planted all depends on the condition of the soil in which it, in which it has been planted. In this case, the soil represents our heart. So in Jesus' parable, he'll talk about four different soil conditions or heart conditions, three of which do not produce any fruit. Now we know that as a result of our salvation, it's pretty important that we bear fruit. If you remember my last message, Jesus taught in a sermon on the Mount, sermon on the, Mount the importance of bearing good fruit. So here we have Jesus again teaching on the subject and the importance that believers bear or produce fruit. My first point this morning is that a committed believer listens. The hard soil that Jesus is teaching about in verse 5 represents the person who hears the word but immediately lets the devil snatch it away. As I said, Jesus was in an area where it was very fertile. There were many fields, kind of like around here. And in between each of these fields, there was a path where the farmer would walk. But now, it wasn't just the farmer who would walk on these paths. You see, these paths were used as roads for travelers who were going through. You can picture the corn and soybean fields all around here. They're go in a grid pattern, and there's roads that split them up, and people travel along them. So it's pretty similar to that, just they were dirt paths. 
But as you can imagine, year after year of farmers planting their crops, year after year of people walking on them, that dirt would get incredibly packed to the point it was almost hard as pavement. So you can probably imagine what would happen to a seed falling on that path. Absolutely nothing. It's going to be swept away by the wind, it's going to be trampled by people walking on it, or the birds are going to come and eat it. Essentially, it was next to impossible for the seed to grow. Last week, I was walking outside the church behind it where that grassy area is, and as I was walking, I looked down and noticed the ground was so dry, there were big cracks going every direction. Has anyone seen that around your house? Yeah, pretty common around here. But when I saw that, I instantly thought of this message, specifically this part about the ground being so hard. I pictured what would happen if I just dropped some seeds out in the backyard and nothing would happen. They would just sit there. And so this represents someone who may have heard about Jesus. They may have heard the word of God, but they're completely closed off to it. Maybe some of you have tried sharing your faith with others, or maybe you've tried sharing a verse with someone, and they completely shut you down or refuse to listen to you. Or maybe you are that person. Whenever you hear scripture or someone talking about God, it goes in one ear and out the other, just like a tiny seed being picked up by a bird or blown away by the wind. You see, we have to allow for our hearts and for others' hearts to be softened and prepared so that the seed can take root, which will then allow us to listen to the word and to God when he talks to us. This also represents the believer who only follows Christ when it's convenient for them. They place a priority on themselves and their own desires, which in turn causes prejudices that make them blind to what they don't want to see or hear. This creates an unteachable spirit that develops quickly and causes a barrier that's very difficult to remove. It's a lot like if you're doing a job and your supervisor or your boss gives you feedback. Initially, they're giving you lots of praise, talking about what an amazing job you did, you went above and beyond, and you just love hearing them heap this praise upon you. So you're listening very intently. But then they get to that point where they transition to the constructive criticism. All of a sudden, you don't really want to hear this. So it would be like if you were listening really well, then you hear the constructive criticism and you just stop listening. You only hear what you want to hear. It might feel good in the time, but that's preventing you from learning or from growing. One last thing I want to draw your attention to from this point is how did the soil become hard in the first place? Well, it was hard because, as I said, people were walking on it. It was being trampled year after year. Whatever we allow to come into our eyes or our ears can very easily go to our heart. This is why it's so important to be careful with who is walking on your path, who is walking on your heart. Who are the people that have influence on your life? No matter what your age is, there's people that have influence on you, whether it's people in authority, whether it's your friends, your coworkers, there's always someone who has influence on us. So are those people building us up spiritually, or are they drying us up, making our heart like a packed down dirt path? The second soil or heart condition is the shallow soil. So going back to the region Jesus was in, as I said, it was incredibly fertile, the most fertile soil in the entire nation. But something else that was also very common in this region was limestone, which isn't exactly the most 
productive thing to plant on. So it was common for there to be large amounts of limestone covered by a thin layer of this fertile soil. So the soil was perfect for growing, but it did not allow any room for roots to be established. So a seed that was planted would quickly shoot up in this fertile soil, but then it would wither and die from the sun. So I was able to relate to this very well. If you remember last time I talked about how I planted a couple apple trees in my yard, and yes, by some miracle, they are still alive. <laughs> but I originally wanted to plant those two trees in my backyard. The grass was really deep and green. At that time of year, it was anyway. And it just seemed like a very fertile area. So I started to try and dig a hole, and my shovel went about an inch into the soil, and it was nothing but these small little rocks. But well, that's annoying. So I went through my whole backyard, stabbing a shovel down. Everywhere I stabbed that shovel down, I hit those rocks. So after talking to one of my neighbors, she informed me that that part of Greenfield was common for there to be barns in people's backyards. She informed me that there used to be a barn behind my house. So literally, I was trying to dig through the foundation of what once was a barn. So I never was able to get through that rock, but even if I did, that tree never would have survived because there wouldn't have been anywhere for the roots to go. This soil represents the person who hears the word or hears a message and quickly responds to it, only then to let their interests go away. They do not continue to grow spiritually after the initial response. This is kind of similar to the believer who just follows the latest spiritual craze. They might hear a sermon or something that just sweeps them off their feet and they just are really impacted by it, or a worship session, or a song, or whatever it might be, and they have this huge burst of enthusiasm for God where they just want to conquer the world for God. But then they don't try and do anything to grow. They don't try to do anything to root their faith, which causes them in their relationship with Christ to go from a spark into a dying fire, just like the seed that fell on the rocky ground that initially grew well, but then was withered by the sun. You see, we as believers have a responsibility to God to strive towards spiritual excellence. This means that we need to pray that God will take away any barriers or prejudices that we may have, and that we may do everything we can to follow God and what he has in store for us. You see, when we do this, it will help us not to just be on a temporary spiritual high when we go through an event or something happens, but it will help us to consistently be living for Christ. Listening to God over our own desires will help us in our commitment to him. One more thing that I think gets overlooked from this verse is the role of the sun. You see, sunlight is crucial for a seed to grow. It strengthens it. It enables it to produce fruit. Without sunlight, nothing would grow. But when there's not a deep root system, its sunlight can also cause it to dry out and wither and die. Does this sound familiar at all? Well, we all have things in our lives that test us. We all have things that test our faith and our trust in Christ. Without our faith in God, these things can be incredibly difficult and they can bring us down. But also, just like the sunlight strengthens the plant, these challenges can also strengthen us. They can help us to grow into stronger believers who rely on Christ as well as his word for strength. But in order for us to do this, 
In order for us to grow stronger in our relationship with Christ and be committed to him, we have to listen. We have to listen to him and what he is saying to us through the word, through the Holy Spirit. But we also have to listen to the things that we do not want to hear. So what is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to not do? Is there something that God wants you to give up this morning? Somewhere God wants you to go? Someone God wants you to talk to? Or something God wants you to work on in your life? God is talking to you. He is telling you what he wants for you. But you have to listen to him. If you don't listen, then you obviously won't hear him. This leads me into my second point, which is a committed believer is genuine. When a farmer prepares their crop, they turn the ground over. They plow it, they bring up fresh dirt, and it usually looks pretty clean. I mean, you plant a garden after you have it all tilled under, and there's no weeds, it's just pure dirt. It's a pretty beautiful sight to see. Fortunately, that doesn't usually last long. You see, in the area Jesus was, thorns were a common weed. Weeds are bad enough, but thorny weeds are even worse. But anyway, they would cut them off to get rid of them. But even though they were cut off, thorns have incredible root systems that keep them alive even when the top's been cut off. So as the seed is growing, it does grow. It's in good soil. As it's growing, these thorns already have a head start. So they're already well ahead of the seed, and they eventually will choke it out. So as I said, thorny soil was common where Jesus was. The soil is definitely better than the hard path. The seed could actually get in it. It was better than the stony soil. It could establish deep roots. But unfortunately, the thorns could establish deep roots as well. So how many of you have a garden? What happens if you don't weed your garden? Can't tell the weeds from the fruit. Eventually, your weeds become more dominant, and eventually your fruit starts to disappear. So... They choke out everything that's growing. Weeds may start nice or start small. They might not seem like a big deal, but they grow a lot faster than the seed. And so they choke out whatever's growing. Much like the believer who goes through the motions but is not genuine. So what are our thorns here today? Well, Jesus gives us some examples in verse 14. He says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. How many of you worry? Yes, there are many things we can worry about. We can worry about our kids. We worry about our jobs, our health, our friends. We even worry about the state of the world around us. So worry can be one of these thorns. But thorns can also be riches or money as well. A thorny believer is one that has so many interests in their lives that the important things, such as God, start to become crowded out of their life. Now, it's not wrong to have riches. It's not long to have things that bring us pleasure. But if we aren't careful, those things can quickly grow in importance and cause us to slowly push our relationship with Christ away. It might start something... It might start kind of like something small, such as you might just not pray as much, or you might not read the Bible as much, you might think it's not that big of a deal. But over time, you're doing it less and less until you aren't praying at all or you aren't spending any time in the Word. You might not have ever intended for that to happen, 
but because of the other things you let take priority in your life, these things were choked out, just like the seed that shot right up only to be choked out by the thorny weeds. My third and final point is that a committed believer has deep roots. When the seed fell upon the good soil, it was able to grow, root, grow roots that went deep into the soil. This kept the seed from withering when the sun shined, and it gave the seed strength to compete against any weeds that grew with it. A rooted believer is one who hears the word, understands it, receives it, and is truly saved. And we know that a byproduct of being saved is producing fruit. But it's important to remember that not everyone is going to produce the same amount of fruit. Has anyone ever heard of Edward Kimball? He's not a very well-known person. He was a Sunday school teacher in the 1800s, and he had a small group of boys in his class who he was responsible for teaching. Now, these, this specific class was very hyper. They're very energetic. They're very hard to keep in check. But he made it his goal to personally lead each one of those kids to Christ. There's one of these boys who was really struggling with the concept of salvation. So Edward went to his place of work. He was working at a shoe store. And as he was stocking shoes, he told him about Christ. He worked through salvation with him, and he received Christ right then and there. Well, this boy's name was Dwight L. Moody. Does anyone recognize that name? That's a little bit more known. And so we know that Moody would go on to be an amazing pastor. He would preach to tens of thousands of people. He would reach people on two different continents. He had a huge impact for the kingdom of God. But we know that that story doesn't end there. See, under Moody's ministry, another man's heart was touched for God by the name of Wilbur Chapman. Another person we might not really recognize too much, but he went on to be a pretty effective evangelist as well. And there's a professional, ba professional baseball player that went to one of his rallies by the name of Billy Sunday. Anyone recognize that name? So he was another very famous evangelist. He had a huge impact for the kingdom of God. Well, you see, at one of Billy Sunday's rallies, there's a group of men from North Carolina that were impacted by his message. They decided they're going to dedicate themselves to reaching their city for Christ, and so they invited an evangelist by the name of Mordecai Ham to speak. And so in 1932, he was speaking at several week-long crusade. During this time, there was a local farmer who had a pickup truck. He filled up the back of it with his neighbors and friends and anyone that wanted to come, and he took them to this crusade. Well, one of those people was a 16-year-old boy who sat through each message spellbound. He felt like Mordecai Ham was speaking directly to him. And then the final night, he gave his life over to Christ. This teenager's name was Billy Graham. So we know that Billy Graham has communicated the gospel to more people in the history of our civilization, even more people than the Apostle Paul did. He's preached to millions upon millions of people. Hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, have come to Christ through his ministry. So when I say Billy Graham, everyone's heard of Billy Graham. But when you trace back these events all the way from him, you know it all goes back to a small, humble Sunday school teacher by the name of Edward Kimball. So again, he was focused on his Sunday school class. He was focused on this one teenager who went on to have the impact 
through all these different people of bringing millions of people to Christ. So all this is to say that not every believer is going to produce the same quantity of fruit. You might just bring one person to Christ, like Edward, or you could bring millions of people to Christ, like Billy Graham. But as this is also to say that not every believer is going to produce the same kind of fruit. We are all called to share our faith with those around us, but in addition to this fruit, we can also produce fruit through giving our resources to furthering God's kingdom. By giving our time and serving others in God's name, whether it be to going on a trip to eastern Kentucky or to another country or even volunteering at the soup kitchen here in Greenfield. We also produce fruit through our character, through how we live our lives as well as how we worship Christ. Again, not all believers will produce the same fruit or the same kind of fruit, but all believers will produce some kind of fruit in their lives. So if we are rooted firmly in Christ then we don't need to worry about being swept away by the wind. We don't have to worry about life's challenges making us wither like a sprout in the sun. We don't have to worry about things choking or smothering our relationship with Christ. We won't have to worry, period. Instead of these things, we will have a strong, healthy, committed relationship with Christ that bears fruit that only God will know the impact of. So how do we become rooted? Well, I'm glad you asked. The answer can be found in the middle of verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Those who hear the word and retain it. This is how we become rooted in Christ, by being rooted in the word and applying it to our lives. The more time we spend spend with God in scripture, prayer, and worship, the more our relationship will be rooted in him. The bottom line this morning is the same as the title of this passage. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Listen to God and listen to his word. My first application point this morning is that as believers, we have to be fully committed to Christ. How committed of a believer are you? Are you one who is a believer only when you have a spiritual high from a sermon, only to forget about it a few days later? Are you the believer that when you face a challenge, it causes your relationship with God to wither? Or are you the believer who's involved in so many things or has so many passions that your relationship with Christ is slowly being smothered out? Or are you the believer who has deep roots, who tries to honor God in everything you do? This can be a really hard question for some people to answer, but I want you to be honest with yourself and look at where you stand with God. Once you do this, you'll be able to see if there are some changes you need to make in order to make your heart more spiritually healthy. You see, in the same way that bad soil can be made good through removing weeds, adding nutrition, digging it up, our heart can be made healthy again as well. So I urge you to take some time today to be alone with God. Reflect on this passage from Luke, and if you don't have deep roots, ask God to help you make changes that will help you to have a strong and rooted relationship with him. My second application point this morning is that as believers, we are called to sow new seeds. 
Let me go back to the beginning of today's parable for a second. The first part of verse 5 says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. This shows that the farmer was being intentional. He stopped what he was doing. He physically got up, went out, and sowed his seed. So where is your field? Where can you get up, go out, and sow seeds for Christ? Who can you share your testimony with? Who can you share what God has done in your life with? The second thing I want to make note of is that the sower spread his seed indiscriminately and deliberately, regardless of the soil it was falling on. It doesn't matter where a person is spiritually or where their heart is towards God. Just sow the seed and leave it up to God. Your seed may not take root, but it could start to break the ground and make it more receptive for the next seed that is sown. So going back to the story of the runner at the beginning of the message who is not committed to giving up, we should strive to be committed believers and never give up trying to live a life that is committed to Christ, a life that is rooted in him. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning for this passage for this parable that you've taught. I just ask that you'd help us to reflect on our own lives, reflect on our own relationship with you and where it stands. And God, if it's not where it needs to be, I just ask that you'd help us to discern what steps we need to take in order to improve it, in order to grow roots. God, I just ask that you'd also help us who are strongly rooted, that you'd help us not to just be content with the lives we have, but you, that you'd help us to be intentional, that you'd help us to get up and go out and share your word, that we would plant seeds with people all around us, God. In your name I pray, amen.